First Kings chapter one. I'm starting a new series here in in uh, the book of First Kings called "Be Responsible," and uh, it comes from uh, Warren Wearsby. There's some of the doctrinal stuff I may not agree with, but uh, I will be going through the material and and uh, making the corrections on that. But an ancient proverb says we're going to be looking first. Or first passage of scripture will be in First Chronicles chapter 29, verse uh, 22 through 30. An ancient proverb says, a bad workman always blames his tools. William Bennett, a contemporary writer, says, responsible persons are mature people who have taken charge of themselves and their conduct, who own their actions and own up to them, who answer for them. Finding someone else to blame, denying irresponsibility, and hiding behind lies seems to be the order of the day. Contrast, President Harry Truman, there of the United States, had a sign out on his desk that said, the buck stops here. He wasn't afraid to take responsibility for his actions. If you can't stand the heat, he said, get out of the kitchen. And David knows what it is to be a responsible leader. And so did his son Solomon until the closing years of his reign. Here in the book of 1 Kings, we find a, a position where David, King David, is very old. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, which I, I want to look at that passage of Scripture, 1 Chronicles uh, in the Old Testament, uh, 29, verses 22 through 30, uh, as we look at this, um, understanding that there's an Adonijah, who's the son of David, who seeks to take over for his dad. His dad's already told uh, his son Solomon that he will be the king after he dies. But Adonijah, one of the other sons, tries a coup, tries to take over uh, and sneak his way into the office of king. And here in verse 22 of 1 Chronicles 29, it says, And did eat and drink before the Lord on the day with great gladness. And they made Solomon the son of David king the second time, and anointed him unto the Lord to be the chief governor, and Zadok to be priest. Then Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king instead of David his father, and prospered, and all Israel obeyed him. And all the princes and mighty men, and all the sons likewise of King David, submitted themselves unto Solomon the king. And the Lord magnified Solomon exceedingly in the sight of all Israel, and bestowed upon him such royal majesty as had not been on any king before him in Israel. And thus David, the son of Jesse, reigned over all Israel. And the time that he reigned over Israel was forty years. Seven years reigned he in Hebron, and thirty and three years reigned he in Jerusalem. And he died in a good old age, full of days, riches, and honor. And Solomon, his son, reigned in his stead. Now the acts of David the king, first and last, behold, they are written in the book of Samuel the seer, and in the book of Nathan the prophet, and in the book of Gad the seer. With all his reign and his might and the times that went over him and over Israel and over all the kingdoms of the countries. So, David, I mean, obviously knows what it is. He knows what it's like to have, you know, after Solomon's death here, David uh, was a ruler over all 12 tribes of Israel. Solomon was a ruler over all 12 tribes. But after Solomon's death, the, the kingdom of Israel, all 12 tribes, uh, they were divided. Ten tribes and two tribes. And uh, with the southern tribe being Judah. Out of 20 kings who would reign in Judah, following Solomon, only eight could be called good and responsible. Men who would obey God. 
And for the sake of David, the Lord kept the light shining in Jerusalem and a king on the throne of Judah until the nation was taken captive to Babylon. It wasn't only a dozen kings whose irresponsibility brought about the destruction of both the city and the temple. The prophet Jeremiah would write and remind us, he says in Lamentations chapter 4, verse 13, the book of Lamentations was written by uh, uh, the prophet Jeremiah in his years. He's known as a weeping prophet. He loved his people, but he was seeing them being destroyed. And he saw disaster coming. And it says, For the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests that have shed the blood of the just in the midst of her. And so Jeremiah sees that the nation of Judah and ultimately Israel in whole was being destroyed. Prophets, priests, and kings were all selected, chosen by God as his anointed leaders. And yet, really the 450 years of Jewish history before the fall, most of these prophets and priests would fail the Lord. So what is one of the foundations that is integral to society? It is integrity. It involves taking responsibility and facing accountability. That includes in our home, in the church, in the halls of the academics, political chambers, people that can just say, you know what, it's my fault. It's one thing to make promises on a church altar. For a person to take an oath of office to become a political figure. But it's another, quite another to assume responsibility for actions. Potentially of those underneath of you. And act with the same courage and honesty and seek to please God. And as we see, we're going to look through the book of 1 Kings in this study. And over and over again, we're going to see the importance of a moral character in leaders and the tragedy of leaving God out of national affairs. In Psalm 33, 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. So as we find, as we look at this, these two books of Kings, First and Second Kings, they record uh, 400 years of Israel's history, both Judah and of the northern tribes who would also be known as Israel in the latter portions after, uh, Rehob, after, after Solomon's reign. And they do teach, these books are about theology. This is kind of an overview of these books. They do teach theology, but they especially speak about the faithfulness of God in keeping his covenant promises. The sovereignty of God in directing all of our destinies of all nations and the holiness of God in opposing idolatry. Especially important is the four books that magnify the Davidic uh, dynasty and also prepare the way for the coming Messiah. So the book of Kings identifies eight kings of Judah, descendants of David who pleased the Lord. These kings are Asa, Jehoshaphat, Joash, Jehoash, Amaziah, Azariah, Uzziah, Jotham, Hezekiah, and Josiah. I like what one fellow states. He said, a crisis, a crisis isn't what makes a person. A crisis shows what a person's made of. In one form or another, you'll find this statement in writings of insightful thinkers from antiquity, from hundreds of years ago. Another version of this statement might be, What's, what life to you 
what life does to you depends on what life finds in you. The same sun that hardens the clay melts the ice. And what does a crisis take in my life, a crisis in your life or my life, it shows what I'm made of. And the kingdom of Israel here, is, even as the king, first king starts, is facing a crisis. Who is going to be the next leader? In 1 Kings chapter 1, if you turn with me there to the book of 1 Kings, we're going to read the first 10 verses. And David is here on his deathbed, a much beloved, cared for king. In 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 1, now King David was old and stricken in years, and they covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. Wherefore his servant said unto him, Let there be sought for my lord the king a young virgin, and let her stand before the king, and let her cherish him, and let her lie in thy bosom, that my lord the king may get heat. So they sought for a fair damsel throughout all the coasts of Israel, and found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. And the damsel was very fair, and cherished the king, and ministered to him, but the king knew her not. Then Adonijah the son of Haggith exalted himself, saying, I will be king, and he prepared him chariots and horsemen and fifty men to run before him. And his father had not displeased him at any time in saying, Why hast thou done so? And he also was a very goodly man. And his mother bare him after Absalom. And he conferred with Joab the son of Zeruiah and with Abiathar the priest, and they following Adonijah helped him. Zadok the priest and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada and Nathan the prophet and Shimei and Rei and the mighty men which belonged to David were not with Adonijah. And Adonijah slew sheep and oxen and fat cattle by the stone of Zoeleth, which is by Enrogel, and called all his brethren the king's sons and all the men of Judah the king's servants. But Nathan the prophet and Benaiah and the mighty men and Solomon his brother he called not. As we look, if you ever look at the story of Benaiah, uh, he's a pretty mighty man. I mean, he is a a man's man, Benaiah is, but we won't talk about him. But he is an interesting figure if you ever look at Benaiah's life. Uh, you know, he was in a pit on a snowy day with a lion and he killed the lion. I mean, the guy, the guy was uh, quite the man. But as we think about this, Adonijah says, listen, my dad is dying. I'm gonna, what, you know, what money and power can I get because my dad is dying? A real leader looks at a crisis and he asks, what can I do that will best help the people an opportunist, someone who's looking out for themselves, looks at a crisis and asks, how can I use a situation to promote myself and get what I want? Opportunists usually show up uninvited, focus attention on themselves, and end up making the crisis worse. Adonijah was that kind of person. And the very occasion here is that Adonijah, the oldest living son, believes that he is the one uh, to get the kingship. If you remember that Solomon was the son of Bathsheba, which was uh, the result of an adulterous affair that David had with Bathsheba. He ended up marrying her after he killed her husband. And yet, God still used David. You know, we can make some really bad decisions in life. We can come back to the Lord in Psalm 51, reminds us about David's uh, repentance before the Lord, crying out, God, ultimately, God, I've messed up. 
And David's firstborn, Amnon, if you'll remember, Amnon ended up raping his, sis, his half-sister, Tamar. Absalom killed Amnon. His second son, Kiliab, or Daniel, must have died young because there's no record of his life. And the third son, Absalom, was slain by Joab. And so as David's oldest son, Adonijah, believes he deserves the throne. I mean, normally, the oldest son is the one to receive the kingship. His father's sick, soon to die. And Adonijah, like his older brother, Absalom, seizes the opportunity when David is at his lowest. Adonijah, though, would underestimate the stamina and the wisdom of David. And his pride of trying to live life his own way. Abishag became a companion and a nurse to David and was probably officially considered a concubine. Nothing immoral about the relationship, so she'll become very important after David's death. But Adonijah makes the mistake of thinking his father was unable. Dad is dying and dad's in bed. Dad can't do anything. Dad doesn't know what he's doing. Maybe dad's out of his mind. So instead of being sympathetic towards his dad and thinking, oh my, dad's about ready to die, Adonijah decides, I'm going to claim the throne. I'm going to do it for myself. If he could win the support of his siblings, if he could get the support of other leaders, the priests and the army, he could pull off a coup and become the next king. In verses 5 through 7, he exalts himself. He did not have the authority or the, uh, the, you know, had not been bestowed upon him of that position. And yet he self-promoted himself like Absalom, 2 Samuel 15 of Absalom's. He was a handsome man, exalted, and thought well, thought much of himself. He had been pampered by his father. And Anijah was able to get the support of the army. If you get the support of the army, you can ultimately take control. He enlists Joab to come and help him. If you remember Joab, Joab's a very... Uh, fickle man. Joab is a man that uh, would sometimes be on David's side, but ultimately Joab was a man that looked out for himself. And if he could make an advance in the army or an advance in power or money, Joab was willing to jump ship and go with the other side. Joab was a very uh, unfaithful man. And Joab had served David for years, and though David, you know, used him, Joab had never been, you know, totally relied upon, because you knew uh, that in a very bad situation, he could very well turn on you. David knew, and Adonijah knew, that Solomon had been chosen to be the next king. When the Lord gave David his covenant, he indicated a future son would succeed him and build the temple. And that son was Solomon, 1 Chronicles 28, verses 4 through 7, as is noted. So both Adonijah, Abiathar, and Joab are all rebelling against God. And they are rebelling against the very revealed counsel of God. In Psalm 33, 11, if you want to look with me here, 
Psalm 33, 11. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generation. That's Psalm 33, 11. These Adonijah, Abiathar, and Joab, they rebel against God's will, and they forget the counsel of the Lord. It has been clearly declared that Solomon will be the successor. Absalom, in verses 8 through 10, in verse 9, as you see, slew sheep and ox and fat cattle by the stone. And then he called all his brethren, the king's sons, and all men of Judah, the king's servants. He did not call Nathan the prophet. You know who he didn't call? He didn't call those who would rebuke him. He didn't call those who would disagree with him. He didn't call those who were faithful to his dad. He called those who would be yes men. And so he ignores the leaders who want God's will. The feast that he's holding and the slaying of the sheep and oxen and cattle, I mean, this is a feast of massive proportion, tons of food. He puts on this great feast for all of the guests that he's invited, all the king's sons except for a few. And perhaps some of these had laid hands on Adonijah. You know, they're there to celebrate. And they were aware of of this. It says, notice with me, he didn't call Solomon. Why would he not call Solomon? Because he knew Solomon was the rightful heir. Did anyone here that's at this feast ask, why was Nathan not there to anoint him? Nathan was the prophet that would anoint the next king. He was the one to publicly display, this is the leader. When someone wants to do wrong, they will bring others to them, but they will not bring those who want God's will for their life. The faithful servants of God, the faithful servants of David had been left out. And Elijah had made himself king in rebellion to the authority of the Lord. In Isaiah 59, 14, And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Truth has fallen in the streets. It seems like, even in these days, truth doesn't matter. All that matters is emotional, what I want. What makes me feel good? I don't care how it makes you feel, but I'm going to do what I want to do. Because that's what I want. And it doesn't matter about caring for a neighbor. It doesn't matter about caring for anyone else. In Psalm 9, 16, The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hand, Higayon, Selah. Psalm 9, 16. So Adonijah's great feast was a signal to David's loyal servants that David ultimately needs to be informed of what's going on. Look with me at the latter, let's look with me a little bit further at this. We'll read verses 11 through 14. We'll look at this passage of scripture. But verse 11, Wherefore Nathan spake unto Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Hast thou not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, doth reign, and David our Lord knoweth it not? 
Now therefore come, let me, I pray thee, give thee counsel, that thou mayest save thine own life and the life of thy son Solomon. Go and get thee in unto king David, and say unto him, Didst not thou, my lord, O king, swear unto thine handmaid, saying, Assuredly, Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne. Why then doth Adonijah reign? Behold, while thou yet talkest there with the king, I also will come in after thee and confirm thy words. So if ever King David has a loyal friend and advisor, it's Nathan the prophet. Nathan was loyal to no one but God, and if you were for God, then Nathan was for you and he would be faithful. Nathan brings the news about God's covenant with David and his descendants in 2 Samuel 7, verses 1 through 17. Nathan also shepherded David through dark days after his adultery with Bathsheba. Nathan's the one that came and confronted David on his adulterous affair. Nathan cares about the glory of God. Nathan cares about David. He must have also had musical gifts because he helped David organize the worship in the sanctuary of the tabernacle. When Solomon was born, Nathan told the parents that the Lord wanted this boy to be named Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord, 2 Samuel 12, 24 and 25. Nathan hears about Adonijah's feast and says, I must tell David. And then in verses 11 through 14, haven't read much about Bathsheba since you know, Solomon's birth. And, uh, you know, she probably wasn't, you know, been unimportant in a lot of the affairs of the palace, but she wasn't an integral figure that we see in Scripture. But she was a courageous woman that wanted to do God's will. And she was, you know, you, you really read about her. Proverbs 31 is thought to have been written by Solomon about his mother Bathsheba. She was an adulteress one time. And her actions resulted in the death of her husband. And yet she turned her life around and would re, be regarded as a highly revered woman. If you read Proverbs 31, it's about a mother who is quite well praised because she had changed her life around to turn and serve God, care for her family, do what was right. If Adonijah indeed does come to the throne, look with me verse 12. Now therefore come, let me, I pray thee, give counsel that thou mayest save thine own life and the life of thy son Solomon. The fact is, if Adonijah becomes king, they could very well be killed because you don't want to get rid of, you want to kill the next rightful heir to the throne. You could also read verse 21, Otherwise it shall come to pass when my lord the king shall sleep with his fathers that I and my son Solomon shall be counted offenders, as Bathsheba writes. Nathan goes to Bathsheba and tells her of these plans. She goes and tells the king. Nathan knows he can trust her. She is a, she knew what, she would know what to do. She's a wise woman. And Adonijah approached her and Solomon received her. 
And she did have, obviously, you know, she might have been somewhat unimportant in how she's spoken of in Scripture, but she definitely had some influence. You know, we, we may think of her as the adulteress, but in one of the darkest, potentially darkest times, she rises up to be a woman of great wisdom and courage. She goes into the king in a critical hour to save a people to whom she's concerned about. Look with me at verse 15 about Bathsheba of 1 Kings 1. And Bathsheba went in unto the king into the chamber, and the king was very old, and Abishag the Shunammite ministered unto the king. And Bathsheba bowed and did obeisance unto the king, and the king said, What wouldest thou? And she said unto him, My lord! Thou swearest by the Lord thy God unto thine handmaid, saying, Assuredly Solomon, thy son, shall reign after me, when he shall sit upon my throne. And now, behold, Adonijah reigneth, and now, my lord the king, thou knowest it not. And he hath slain oxen and fat cattle and sheep in abundance, and hath called all the sons of the king, and Abiathar the priest, and Joab the captain of the host. But Solomon thy servant hath he not called. And thou, my lord, O king, the eyes of all Israel are upon thee, that thou shouldest tell them who shall sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise it shall come to pass. And my lord the king shall sleep with his fathers, that I and my son Solomon shall be counted offenders. She uses some very specific words. Please swear. Make an oath. Promise me. Pinky promise me. <laughs> if you want to think about it. Nathan and Bathsheba know to who is rightfully the heir. And when Solomon was given that special name of Jedidiah, the beloved of the Lord, they obviously knew that he was David's successor. And what does Bathsheba do when she comes before the king as he's there on his bed? She bows before him. She understands David's still king. She bows before authority. She tells David about what's going on. In verse 22, And lo, while she yet talked with the king, Nathan the prophet also came in, and they told the king, saying, Behold, Nathan the prophet. And when he was come in before the king, he bowed himself before the king with his face to the ground. And Nathan said, My lord, O king, hast thou said, Adonijah shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne, for he has gone down this day, and hath slain oxen and fat cattle and sheep in abundance, and hath called all the king's sons and the captains of the host, and Abiathar the priest, and behold, they eat and drink before him, and say, God save the king, Adonijah. But me, even me, thy servant, and Zadok the priest, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and thy servant Solomon, hath he not called? Is this thing done by my lord the king, and thou hast not showed it unto thy servant, who should sit on the throne of my lord the king after him? Then king David answered and said, Call me Bathsheba. And she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king sware and said, As the Lord liveth, that hath redeemed my soul out of all distress, even as I swear unto thee by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne in my stead. Even so will I certainly do this day. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth and did reverence to the king and said, Let my lord King David live forever. They inform him. She spoke with her husband. Nathan came to the palace, calls her in. David, who is the next rightful heir? And they ask him this question. You know what it is. David had gained the hearts of the people. David had been 
uh, there uh, amongst the people for a long time. He had served with the people in battle. He had protected the people from uh, outsiders. David had given his life to protect his people. And now in his weakest hour, those who would seek to take advantage of his weakness, they do not understand that God is still in control. They don't understand that God can overthrow those who seek to do ill to God's people. Adonijah would have an authority problem. Adonijah didn't want what his dad wanted. He didn't care about what his dad wanted. He said, I want what I want. And David would instruct his loyal servants, and we'll go on, verse 32. We'll read on a little bit further here as we study this passage of Scripture. And King David said, Call me Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. And they came before the king. The king also said unto them, Take with you the servants of your Lord, and cause Solomon my son to ride upon mine own mule, and bring him down to Gihon. And let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him there, king over Israel. And blow ye the trumpet and say, God save King Solomon. Then shall ye come up after him, that he may come and sit upon my throne, for he shall be king in my stead. And I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. And Benaiah the son of Jehoiada answered the king and said, Amen. Lord God of my Lord, the king say so too. As the Lord hath been with my Lord the king, even so be he with Solomon. Make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord King David. What does David do? David says, we're going to rectify this. Adonijah's made it a public affair that he's king. I'm going to make it public of what my decision is and what God's decision is. If he waited too long, you know what, sometimes an, an issue may go too long, and David said, I can't let this go any further. I've got to deal with the problem. I've got to deal with it now. So long, Solomon's no longer, you know, just merely a prince. Uh, he is the heir. So David says, call all of my loyal servants, and we're going to make it publicly known that Solomon is the king. You know what, in a day and age of social media, but even in a day prior to social media, you, there could be an event that go on in the community, and that, that event can ripple through that community quite quickly. Did you hear about so-and-so? Oh my. You know, you're talking to some complete stranger, and the stranger says, did you know about so-and-so? And you're like, how in the world do they know? The words travel quickly. And as we would look a little further going on here, they would blow a trumpet. Look with me. We'll look a little bit further here. Verse 38, so Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites went down and caused Solomon to ride upon King David's mule. What's he saying? He's saying Sol Solomon is the king. And brought him to Gihon. And Zadok the priest took a horn of oil out of the tabernacle and anointed Solomon. They blew the trumpet and all the people said, God save King Solomon. And all the people came up after him and the people piped with pipes and rejoiced with great joy. So that the earth rent with the sound of them. And Adonijah and all the guests that were with him heard it as they had made an end of eating. And when Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, Wherefore is the noise of the city being in an uproar? And while he yet spake, behold, jo Jonathan, the son of Abiathar, the priest, came. And Adonijah said unto him, Come in, for thou art a valiant man. 
and bringest good tidings. And Jonathan answered and said to Adonijah, Verily our lord King David hath made Solomon king. And the king sent with him Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites, and the Pelethites, and they have caused him to ride upon the king's mule. And Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, anointed him king in Gihon. And they are come up from thence rejoicing, so that the city rang again. This is the noise that you have heard. Benaiah, just a quick aside here, uh, he's the son of a priest, 1 Chronicles 27.5. He chose a military career, became one of David's leading mighty men. He was David's personal guard. And, you know, he speaks enthusiastically, amen. I mean, Benaiah is, if it's God's will, I want it. You know, you can be one of God's men. You don't necessarily have to be a pastor. You can be one of God's men. Benaiah is one of God's men, chosen men. He's a mighty man in the army. And the Lord informs them, and, and you know, there's a shouting, God save King Adonijah, verse 25. Had David died? Had Solomon died? No, this is a coup. David from his bedchamber, he makes a choice. What am I going to do? I've got to make someone angry. I've got to do something, otherwise the kingdom will be torn to shreds. And Solomon showed, if we'll read on, look with me, when Solomon, after Solomon is anointed, verse 49, and all the guests that were with Adonijah were afraid and rose up and went every man his way. And Adonijah feared because of Solomon and rose and went and caught hold on the horns of the altar. And it was told Solomon, saying, Behold, Adonijah feareth King Solomon. But lo, he hath caught hold on the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear unto me today that he will not slay his servant with the sword. And Solomon said, If he will show himself a worthy man, there shall not a hair of him fall to the earth. But if wickedness shall be found in him, he shall die. He's saying, You know what? If Adonijah can indeed be a man to change himself, if Adonijah can be a man of integrity, he'll live. If he's a man that's only weeping and only seeking for help be, to save his own skin, well then, he'll show himself who his true colors are. So Adonijah is put essentially on house arrest. I mean, he, he had just tried to do a coup. He had just tried to take over the king. You know, Adonijah probably would have killed Solomon and Bathsheba. But, David, but Solomon, excuse me, shows mercy on his brother. Shows the integrity and the character of Solomon. If someone tried to take your rightful spot, uh, would you not be a little frustrated? Adonijah bows before, him, before his brother and he even calls him his servant. But David, the realist here, Let's read verse 1 of chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Actually, I'm going to have to conclude there for the sake of time this morning, and we'll come to the uh, morning hour, but I'll, we'll pick up there next week. Let's uh, pray, and we'll conclude. But just think about this. I mean, the kingdom was protected because David did action. David moved forward when someone had tried to take over power. He protected, ultimately, David's decision protected the people uh, from a very, very bad decision. You know what, if someone in a, if a wicked person, an evil person gets into power, it can be a very 
hurtful, dangerous thing. And a lot of damage happens. A lot of people are hurt when wrong leaders are appointed. And so God steps in and protects his people. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace. And Lord, I thank you for uh, just the way that you show yourself mighty on the behalf of King David. Uh, Father, you show yourself mighty uh, in behalf of, of those that, Lord, may seek to usurp your authority and rebel against you. Father, we yield today to thee. We love you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, I, I do love you, and I thank you for being a wonderful, marvelous Savior. Thank you for guiding us and directing us. Help us, Lord, this day. Father, I do pray that you would just give strength, Lord, to Jordan and Starlene and continue to help comfort them. Father, as we go forward and we come to the 11 o'clock hour here shortly, Lord, I pray that you would just refresh our hearts, charge them up, and help us to honor you. In Jesus' precious name, I pray.